Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. I'll keep this real short since I do have a longer episode. This week, I am interviewing an old college friend of mine, Amy Walper. We discuss noticing when things are wrong with our body, as well as, as adults, taking the steps to take care of ourselves. sounds so official right yeah. recording in progress are you ready i'm ready better be because it's already recording <laughs> oh dang <laughs> <laughs> okay um so quick recap for everybody else amy and i know each other from college and yes. i don't know a whole lot about everything that you've been through. I just knew you always had, according to Jordan, lots of stuff going on. (laughs) Always lots of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember from the one class that we took together, um, that pagan culture class, you would have like good days, you'd show up to school and then you would just have like a couple of bad days and just not be there. Yes. um, I know that was been a problem fairly recently, even still. So yes, still is a problem. (laughs) Still is. Yeah. So I do know you were called the miracle baby. Yes, I was the miracle baby for my mother. So my mom was considered to be mature for having a child. So my mom was only 34 when she had me, but back in the That's 80s, that, that was. I know. And, but back in the eighties, that's when everyone was like, oh, that's too old. Cause people were having kids in their teens and their twenties. So she was considered old for having a kid. And because of my grandmother, so my grandmother, when she was pregnant with my mom, there was, I forgot what it's called, but there was a certain medication that they gave pregnant women to deal with nausea, which can cause birth defects. And one of the uh, birth defects that happened with my mom was she would have a hard time conceiving. Um, So my mom went through everything to have me. She did the fertilization, um, nothing worked. And then just one time my mom was like, you know what, we're going to do this naturally. And then all of a sudden she was pregnant. So it took her, I want to say it took her about four years to try and have me. Oh my gosh. That's a long time. Yeah. My mom was very driven to have a kid. (laughs) And she had me. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so she, I was the miracle baby. That's sweet. Yeah. (laughs) Only, only child from her, but from my father, there was three other kids. So I was like, wow, you wanted another one after dealing with three other ones. Oh, oh are you the cool. youngest too? Good. I, I am the youngest. Yeah. I guess it's different when it's like technically not your kid, but like, yes, your I agree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I'm the only child, but also the youngest child. 
fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I don't know how it's easiest for you to tell us everything. So I don't know if you want to go chronologically in the events of like how things happened to you or if it's just easiest to give us a list of stuff. Um, well, I can just go okay. chronological order. Um, so when I was born, I was born five weeks premature and I just so you have a stomach sphincter. And so I was premature. So that wasn't fully developed. Um, so I was only allowed to eat a teaspoon of food when I was younger as a baby, because if I ate more, I'd throw up everywhere. So my mom used to tell me that they had sheets everywhere around the house because you would pick me up and I would just vomit. But the doctor said I would grow out of it, which I did. I did eventually grow out of it. But also at age three months, I had RSV. So I, I got sick. But other than that, when I was a, like a child, I was actually very healthy. I just had allergies. It wasn't uh, until I would say I when I moved down to Southern California uh, in 2002 is when my health went completely downward. Okay, And so... We don't really know if these were pre-existing conditions that I had when I was little and they just weren't showing up or if there were just new conditions that I developed. So it was, I was a happy, happy child. Nothing wrong when I was younger. It wasn't until like, so in 2002 is when I moved down to Southern California and I, because of the change and everything, from being from Northern California to Southern California, leaving my home, losing my grandmother at the same time, I developed depression at age 13. I wasn't diagnosed with anything until I, 2006. So I was 16. So that period from being 13 to 16 was just us trying to figure out why I was the way I was. I tried many different therapies. We tried um, natural medicine for a while. And then we um, thought, you know, it's not working. So now we need to go to normal medications. And I was diagnosed in um, 2006 um, with bipolar disorder. And, but it was not like where you have your super manic phases. It's where you get super, super depressed. Um, and then you'll come up to a normal level and maybe go up a little bit to a manic phase, but you dive right back down. And then also in 2006, I started getting really bad migraines. And yeah, I've, I've suffered from migraines for a very long time now, but um, they thought at the time it was just hormonal because uh, back then they were like, oh, she's going through puberty. She's going through all this. So it's hormonal. They never thought anything of it. And then I graduated high school. I, during high school, I was really sick a lot. Everyone constantly was always like, well, there's always something wrong with you because I wasn't technically being treated for anything. Cause we didn't, we couldn't figure out what it was. So like I was seeing 
therapists for my stomach because I have a I have a really bad stomach. I have severe IBS, GERD. I also get ulcers in my stomach. So it's kind of it's all over the place with my stomach, but we couldn't figure out. So I was seeing a gastroenterologist since I was 16. And it wasn't, it's not actually until I was, I would say 2012, when we finally realized that my gallbladder was the one poisoning me. So I had to get my gallbladder out when I was 22, but high school, I was just sick all the time. We couldn't figure out why we, it was a lot of trial and error, which I find that back then it sounds weird when I say back then because it doesn't feel that long ago but it actually is it was a lot of trial and error because nowadays uh for example for um mental disorders and things like that there's a DNA test that we can take that will tell us which medications work properly for us back then we didn't have that it was just like here try this med oh, that doesn't work. Oh, try this one. And so, and then with medications that you try, you get side effects and all that kind of stuff. So that's always fun. So, and then in 2009, I got the swine flu. I forgot what the actual name for it was. So when we, when we were in college, I got the swine flu, which really, really it really sucked that one sucked and after that after I got sick I was then diagnosed with uh, narcolepsy because I was always so tired and we thought it was because of the swine flu was the reason why I was so tired but in reality I had narcolepsy so I don't know if you knew that about me that I had narcolepsy (laughs) I had no idea Yeah, I I have. So I have narcolepsy. Well, I have a form of narcolepsy. It's called the one that I was diagnosed with two years ago after I got another sleep study done is called idiopathic hypersomnia. So it's another form of narcolepsy. So a person with narcolepsy can fall asleep really fast and pretty much within minutes can go into REM sleep. So they'll start dreaming. A person who has idiopathic hypersomnia will fall asleep really quickly, but will never go into REM. So I will sleep, but I won't sleep. So I am constantly tired. So even when I do fall asleep naturally, like at night, I may or may not go into REM. Oh my gosh. That literally sounds like a nightmare. (laughs) It really does suck. Because, you know, who wants to have a sleep disorder where you can fall asleep in under three minutes if you just relax? Like, no one really wants that. But it's okay. <laughs> like, at least I can fall asleep real fast. Like I'm so. just more thinking about, like, waking up and not really feeling, like, well-rested. Yeah, it's not, it's not fun. Yeah. I've been told now that I have to schedule 15 minute naps because I will have, so I have idiopathic hypersomnia with cataplexy. Cataplexy is something that normally comes along with narcolepsy. It's where you can lose control of your emotions, um, your muscles. Basically you lose control of your body. And in order to 
stop me from having the cataplexy, I should take naps throughout the day. But because I'm a teacher, I can't take naps during the day. I was going to say, who really has a job that allows them to take naps, though, like that? Yeah, well, legally, if uh, the doctor writes a note, the work has to allow it. So, yeah. But also after, so after 2009, when I found out I had the narcolepsy, I was also having migraines still, and they were still trying to figure out what was happening. And I had to get an MRI done and they thought they saw something on the MRI without contrast. And they're like, oh, let's redo it with contrast. And that's so in 2010, uh, that's when I found out I had an arachnoid cyst um, that was sitting on my brainstem. It was on my brainstem and in between my cerebellum. So it was sitting right in the middle, right in that little sweet spot. And they said that it's a possibility that I was born with it because I was premature. Okay. So, and along with the arachnoid cyst and everything, we became more aware of my processing disorder that I have. So I have a language processing disorder that's not only in like oral communication, but is also auditory. I have dyslexia. I have dyscalculus. I also have ADD. So I get distracted way easily, (laughs) but that's okay. So it wasn't until I like, well, backtrack real fast is when we were in college, my freshman year was when I got diagnosed with all of those um, learning disabilities. Because in high school, we just thought I was just struggling normally. And it wasn't until my senior year that my math teacher was like, she's doing everything correct, but her answers are backwards. Like if you like flipped my answer, it would be the right Right. number. And they were like, she needs to get tests. She needs to get tested for dyscalculus or I don't know what else other people call it. But so then when I went in as a freshman in college, I found out that I had all these learning disabilities. So that was wild, but it turns out that all of them could have been because of my cyst from my development when I was a child. So it's, it's nice now. Cause I recently got it taken out la- uh, last oh, okay. year. Okay, I was going to ask yeah. about that if they ever considered taking it out, but yes, I had the cyst removed last year. Um, so I had brain surgery. It was wild. It was absolutely terrifying, All right. but if viewers yeah. could see my face, yes, that's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was, I would say the most life-changing event for me was having my brain surgery because when you go in brain surgery, you don't know if something's going to happen in there because it, it's your brain. So I came out fine. Well, depends on what you oh, can no. find, but <laughs> <laughs> I just now have a uh, brain fog, which is very common when you have a brain surgery. So hopefully it'll eventually go away, but I do get very forgetful now. Mm-hmm. I have to write notes for myself all the time. Okay. 
So is it like short-term stuff? Short-term, yes. I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. I almost can't remember what I had for breakfast. I have to think about it really hard. Wow. Yeah. So Can I ask, why did they decide to wait so long to take out the cyst? Is there like a reason why it was better to wait? Or like, sorry, did something happen that made it like, oh my God, we got to take this out? Pretty much that last one. So in 2010, when they found it, they're like, oh, because it was originally the size of a dime. Okay. So they're like, oh, it won't grow. It'll be fine. And they're like, just keep an eye on it. And so in years went by 2014 had another MRI done it was fine it was still the same size and then around so I got COVID when two years ago when it first came out I got it because of my I have also have I didn't tell anyone this I also have an autoimmune disease so my immune system is very weak I have rheumatoid arthritis and also fibromyalgia which is all in the rheumatoid spectrum. Are these also things that you've just had for forever or they came about at the same time as all the high school stuff or? It was, uh, so I didn't know I had fibromyalgia until when I was, so it was 2009. Okay. So like we danced, I don't, I can't remember what years we performed together and went to college, but I was constantly in pain and we couldn't figure out yeah. why. You and still danced beautifully doctors, though. Oh, thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. It was painful, but it was well worth it. Cause I love performing, but yeah, I already forgot what I was saying. <laughs> there's, see, there's that point. Um, you got, you, well, you found out about the fibromyalgia in 2009. Yes, yeah, she yeah. yeah. Yeah, so everything was after high school, which is kind of, it. what I also find very bizarre about this is everything happened, changed when I was going through puberty. Right. Like yeah. all, everything developed when I was in puberty. Kid, happy kid. But once puberty hit, everything started changing. Oh, but with the cyst, that's where I was. There <laughs> we go. It wasn't until last year I started getting really, really bad migraines and like to the point where I couldn't get out of bed. And I then started getting really sick. Like I was throwing up like three times every day, which is very, with my stomach issues is very unhealthy. Mm -hmm. It was unhealthy in general. But it's worse when Um, you have the stomach issues that you have. Yeah. And it got to a point where I was, I couldn't eat. I could drink water, but I even drinking water would make me throw up and it wasn't fun. And I went and saw a neurologist and they were like, they got an MRI again. And they said, your cyst got bigger. And I was like, what, what do you mean? My cyst got bigger. And they're like, well, it used to be the size of the dime but now it's the size of your thumb. So that is three inches. That's a lot bigger. It's a lot bigger from a size of a dime. So like if you 
whoever's listening out there, if you put your hands together, like your fists together, that's a, about the size of your brain. So if you look at your thumbs, my cyst was the size of my whole entire thumb, which is a, like difference to your brain, like how big your brain is. That's pretty big. That's scary. And yeah. And so I was in shock about it and they were like saying that it may be causing your migraines may not. So they put me on migraine medication for a while. Wasn't working. Uh, and then I had to see a neurosurgeon and I went, the reason why I had to go see a neurosurgeon is because I went to the hospital. There was a time period where I couldn't tell what way was up, which way was down. I was so disoriented that I had to go to the hospital and I was in the hospital for three days and they did MRIs and everything. And they're like, well, the cyst is there, but we don't think that it's the cyst causing these issues. And we were like, are, are you sure? Cause everything makes sense that it is the cyst. Right. And then they sent me home and then I saw a neurosurgeon, then I saw the neurosurgeon and I told them about what happened. And like, they automatically were like, that is the cyst. You need to get it out. Yeah. Right? And so I ended up having brain surgery. It was terrifying. I think I said that yeah. before, but yeah, it was terrifying. Was it one of those surgeries where you have to be awake through it? Okay. No. It's like those terrify the Jesus out of me. Oh, no. No. Even if they are like, you have to be awake, I'd be like, no. No, no you're going to figure it out, out some other way. A hundred percent. I'm not. No, I have to be. I'm the kind of person because I have anxiety where I go to the dentist and they're so they're going to give me shots. Right. I hate needles. I've been in so many hospitals and done so many blood work. I hate needles. Not not a fan. And I have to get laughing gas just so they can shoot me with a needle because I will go into a panic attack. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. When I was um, a kid, whenever I had any surgery or anything where they had to like knock me out for anything, I would not let them do the IV first because they're supposed to do IV pump the anesthesia through that to knock you out. Yeah. And I was like one of the few kids that the doctor was like, just, just do the mask, let her, let her do the thing, put the IV in after she's out. I wish they would do that to me now. <laughs> I hate needles, but yeah, but everything else for me, besides my brain surgery was all in college and high school. And now it's just learning how to cope with everything. Yeah. Did anything get better after the surgery? So my migraines went away. Because one thing is with, I didn't say this, but I'll say it now, is my head felt like it constantly had a helmet on, oh. like a football helmet. And like, it felt like all this pressure inside my head and it was giving it, my head was hurting because of it. And they actually tried giving me a medicine that drains the fluid away from your brain. And that actually made me worse. 
so that's the main reason why they were like, okay, now surgery. But it was the oddest feeling coming out of surgery because I had to relearn how to walk. It didn't take me very long, but I had to learn how to walk. I had to learn how to talk again um, because it messed with that part of my brain. And I remember waking up and looking at my mom and I started crying and my mom's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't hurt. I don't feel this helmet. I don't feel any pressure. And like my mom starts crying because like I've was like that for like six months. And like, she was like relieved. I was relieved, but it has been the best feeling of getting my cysts removed that I can ever explain. Wow. But yeah, my learning different like disabilities and everything are definitely still there, but it's, I don't have pressure headaches anymore. I don't feel like I'm wearing a football helmet. I'm not throwing up all the time, which is really great. So, wow. Wow. They think all of that was caused by growing up with a cyst. Yeah. Wow. I don't know about the stomach issues. Could that could the stomach issues be related at all to what you were born with? With the I'm sorry, I already forgot. The the stomachs. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good. That's a good question. That's the one thing I don't know. But my mom. So, like right now, I'm at the age where, well, I'm not, I'm 32, but my mom was 34 when she had me and she was 42 when she got diagnosed with colon cancer. So now I'm on colon cancer watch because I'm at the age Great. for it. Cause they always do 10 <laughs> years younger than when the person was yes. diagnosed. So we're the gastroenterologist is kind of like, well, your stomach is this way. And I was also born with an extra foot of intestines. I don't know if you knew that. How does that even fit? I don't Where are you storing all of this? You're not a large person. I don't understand. I, I don't know. And it's the, the running joke in my family is because my mom had a foot of intestines taken out because of her colon cancer and I have an extra foot. So that's like our running joke in the family, even though it's not that funny, but everyone's like, (laughs) 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 but yeah, so now I'm on watch for that, but it also may be genetic. My cancer can be genetic. So and now I'm dealing with possibly having hypothyroidism oh. because it, yeah, it runs in That's my family. That's not fun either. None so, of this is fun. No, no, none of it's fun, but I'm, I'm surviving. I'm living, I'm, I'm living my best life. So that's all that's, yes, it sucks having all these things, but I've done so much in my life that I'm happy with. So I can't, the one thing that I tell all my kids is as I say, my kids, I mean, my students that you can't let, cause I don't have any, <laughs> is that you can't let your disabilities, you can't let your like health issues stop you from enjoying your life. You have to continue on living it because you're only put on this earth for a certain amount of time. 
and live it to your fullest. Cause I remember I tortured myself. I think when I, I, maybe it was when I was, you were dancing with me as well, but like I dedicated my life to dancing and ignored all my health issues. And like, I would be performing and I'd have to have trash cans set up on both sides of the stage. I don't know if you remember, I don't remember this. that, but I do remember that it was like the same semester as our class together that you would just not show up to, but you were at dance rehearsal every yeah. rehearsal. Like you didn't miss dance at all, but I would, well, I would be murdered if I didn't go, you know, who was running it. Okay. That's true. <laughs> but <laughs> I wouldn't actually physically be murdered. I'd just be punished. So I, when I was terrified of that person, I was so too. they were terrifying anyways. Uh, but yeah, I, they would set up trash cans on the wow. side of the stage because I would push myself, push myself, push myself. And then I throw up and then all of a sudden I'd have to be back on stage and I push, it was like a over and over again thing. And I just ignored my health and it took me until I was until I had my brain surgery for me to look at my life and be like, first of all, you got to put yourself first. Don't put other people before you put yourself first because our health is important. I tell my students all the time, school can wait. School will always be there for you. Your health is what's most important. So that's the motto that I've been living by right now. I think that's, no, I think that's a good one. And I think that's good that you're telling your kids that. Cause I do feel like a lot of schools, they would rather preach like, no, you got to come to school. And I think I'm the only teacher who says that yeah. though. I, I believe that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I have lots of students cause the, t- the school that I teach at, we have a lot of students that have learning disabilities. We have a lot of students that also have a lot of health issues. Uh, that's the reason why they're going to a private school. And I tell them, if you're not feeling good, if you're going through something, let us know because you come first. School can always wait. Work can always wait. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing that I've learned after my brain surgery is work can always wait. Because I didn't know I, for a while before my brain surgery, I thought I was going to die. Like, I thought that this was going to be the end of me. Yeah. And it terrified me. And then here I am now. And I'm like, okay, live life to the fullest. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, so life gets hard with these health issues. But as long as you're happy, and content, I would say more content because there's a lot of things that like with our brain, our stomach affects our brain, our brain affects our stomach. It can be a very, very hard thing to break down and figure out, especially with health issues where it's coming from. Right. But as long as you're content with what's happening, then I say you're good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. Yeah. That is a hard cycle to, um, to break the brain I think I talked about this on a recent episode with someone too like the the brain nerves talk to the gut nerves and it's just like an endless cycle back and forth yes 
And it's really hard when like you have depression and cause like I have depressed, I'm depressed all the time. I have depression. It's okay. But I know that when I'm in a, what I call an episode and my stomach's getting worse, I can know that I, I might have another depressive episode because of my stomach. So it's also about being self-aware. Mm-hmm. Being aware of yourself and your body is really important. And I think because of all my health issues that I have, I've become more aware of my body than a lot of people are aware of theirs. Yeah. Yeah. I I can agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you're also more able to sense when things aren't right. More adept at noticing like, oh, that shouldn't be there. A hundred percent. And that's like one of my doctors was telling me that like, he was like, you notice changes in your body that are happening that most people won't even recognize. So like I may eat something and then maybe three minutes after I eat it, I'm like, all right, I should not have ate that. I should not have eaten that. I'm going to get sick. Or I can, or I can tell when I'm going to get sick. Like I automatically can tell like the temperature change in my body. If I start sweating more, I'm like, oh, we're going to get sick. We're going to go prep for that. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like the worst part of like with the stomach issues and everything is that my significant other and my parents know when I'm going to get sick because I will go in the bathroom. I will lay a towel down next to the toilet. I will turn on the shower and I will just stand there for a minute. And there they'll just be like, are you going to get sick? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, yes. Yep. Just give me a minute. It's going (laughs) to happen. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And it's the one thing that is really, I'm very thankful for throughout all my health issues is my mother. Cause she's been my rock the whole entire time. Same with my significant other. Cause I've been with him for three years now and he was there through my brain surgery. Like he was there when I went in, he was there when I came out and he also, so when you have brain surgery, you have to learn how to walk again and everything. So I had to wear what's called a gate belt around my waist. Um, and I'd have to go on walks. And so my significant other would hold my gate belt and walk me around my block. That's adorable. He's yeah. (laughs) I'm like, this is what's going to happen when we get old. (laughs) I'm just prepping you for later. You pass. Don't worry. Uh, I I imagine him with a cane and like him holding (laughs) my belt. Oh no. But yeah, I'm very thankful for that. What else is kind of like on your daily radar of things that you have to do to take care of yourself? Like, are you on lots of medications? Do you do dietary restrictions? All that good stuff. Yes. So I am on, so before when I was in high school, I was on about 10 different medications, which is a lot. 
of medicine to put in your body uh, because I was so sick. And it wasn't until recently that after my brain surgery and everything that I am now happily only on three. That's amazing. You're on less than I am every day. Wow. I, it's still a progress because after I had my brain surgery, um, my antidepressants and all my mental medications had really weird side effects Mm. that weren't there before or that I didn't notice before because of my cyst. And so we had to backtrack and remove me off of all my medications and reintroduce all of them again. And that's when I found out about the DNA test for the medications. So we took the DNA test. And so I'm on Vilar, which is an antidepressant, antipsychotic. I'm on Plaquenil, which is for my rheumatoid arthritis. And I'm, oh, okay, maybe I'm on four. I'm on Omeprazole for my stomach and um, Zofran for nausea. Okay. So I'm only on four. But so much with better. Mental health Sorry, mess, so much better than 10. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So much better. I'm, I'm happy because also with ADD and stuff like that, I forget to take my yeah. medicine sometimes a majority of the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's really good to only be on like four. The only thing is, is that with the mental health meds, because they're still relatively new introduced, I am going to be added on another mm. one but we're waiting for my body to adapt to this one first before we add on right. another. But I am content with just being on four medications. But for daily life, I there's a lot that I have to do besides working with my learning disabilities and everything like that. So I have to keep a planner of everything. I have to set up reminder alarms for my medications. Dietary, I am on a diet that I have been on for six months for my stomach. Because I also have, I didn't even mention this. I have a rare disorder that happens when people get their gallbladder removed. Of course you do. So most, I know. That's what I said to the doctor. And that's what he said back to me (laughs) when we found this out. Um, So normally your gallbladder. So once you got your gallbladder removed, your liver still produces the bile that goes to your gallbladder. But normally what they do is in the surgery, they'll make it so it flows into your large and you'll flow into your intestines, basically. So the bile, you'll just poop it out. And it mine flows into my stomach. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right where I have all sure. my problems. So, and it turns out your gallbladder bile is more toxic to your body than your stomach acid. So I have to be on a diet where I can't have any fatty foods. I basically, anything that can trigger my liver to produce the bile, I can't have. So I can't have. Uh, like fatty meats. I can't have fried food. I can't have milk or dairy, even though I eat it because who I can't give up cheese. I'm going to go on that one. <laughs> I can't give up cheese. Um, and um, I can't have ice cream, can't have chocolate milk, which used to be one of my favorite things to drink was chocolate milk. Don't ask me why. No, Don't I know. loved, uh, I still drink chocolate milk all the time. <laughs> See, it's so good. 
but I also have to eat smaller portions. So the diet that I'm on is for dumping syndrome. So this normally happens when people have stomach surgeries and the food just goes through their stomach. Yeah. So I'm on a basically a dumping syndrome uh, diet. So I can only have like one cup of rice or pasta per meal or da- oh, wait, is that daily? It might be daily. I might be doing my diet absolutely wrong and not even know it. Um, but like, I can only have like a little bit of meat, a little bit of bread and pasta and vegetables and fruit. Like I'm not even a lot supposed to have anything with sugar either. No sugar. So tea can't, has to be just straight tea. Can't be sweetened. Nothing. Can't have sodas anymore, which I used to drink every single day. Can't have those anymore. So I've been just drinking water and unsweetened tea. Wow. Have you tried, or I don't know if this fits in the diet, like instead of like regular milk, does soy milk or almond milk or anything like that? I've tried almond milk. I've tried almond milk. Today was the first day of me actually trying almond milk because it's sweet. Mm And I'm not a fan of like sweet milk, but I was fine with it today. So I may be sticking with almond milk from now on. I've been on almond milk the last couple months and it works. I had to, um, I don't have to cut it out entirely, but I have to limit my dairy now for like kidney function. Mm -hmm. So I switched all of my milk over to almond milk because then I can have more cheese. (laughs) Oh, that cheese. That. Love that cheese. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're like, if I do less milk, yeah, will, will more it's cheese. literally my thought process. <laughs> I love it. Oh, you reminded me of another thing that I have that I didn't even oh, yeah? mention. Let's go. <laughs> I have a kidney disorder okay. where, so the lining of your kidney, so it separates your blood from mm-hmm. your urine my membrane in between the two is so thin that my blood seeps into my teeth. Ah, okay. So that's it. Treat that but that just, no, I don't, they, they say that the surgery is like too invasive. And I was like, okay, they're just like, it just means every time you get a urine test, there's going to just be blood in your pee. And I'm like, I mean, if it's not going to harm anything, I guess leave it. Yeah. But so But my grandfather also had kidney disease. So it's just like one of those things where I, I say, thank you for my mom for having me, (laughs) but why couldn't I wait to come out longer? (laughs) Being a preemie is, I feel like the reason why all this has happened to me, but we're just impatient to be here. I was, it's okay. I was too. I was early as well. So. (laughs) Okay. See, see, you know, you know, see, I'm a very patient person now, but obviously back then I wasn't. I was not back then. (laughs) You're like, no, (laughs) I'm coming out. (laughs) Yeah, Um, It's too cooped up in here, mom. I was trying to come out for like a month or two before I actually came out. She was on bed rest for like two months. Oh no. I didn't see. I didn't know that. And I still came out early. Oh, I got to ask, how early were you? I don't you? remember. 
Because I was going to say, being a premature baby does have a lot of, you know, effects for development and things like that. But preemies are special babies. So we're always unique and special. We are. We're fantastic. We're a great group of people. Yes. Normal babies. They don't even, they don't know what they're missing. (laughs) Okay. See, I, this is random again because of my ADD, but I also didn't tell you I have hearing loss. From what? Did you know that? So I have, so there's a possibility that I already forgot the name of it. My aunt has it. Uh, So it's basically when the three bones in your ear calcify and you, they no longer vibrate because that's what vibrates and amplifies the sounds before it goes into your cochlea, which is where your uh, hearing uh, hairs are. So those bones tend to amplify the sound and they won't vibrate. They don't amplify sound. So you can lose your hearing. But my cyst was uh, pushing on my hearing nerve in my right ear. So this is newer, a newer thing that happened. Yes, I, I, I got diagnosis hard of hearing a year ago wow. so the same time as my brain surgery yeah so I have hearing aids I'm not wearing them because I have my headset on so I can turn you up real loud <laughs> but I have, I have hearing aids now wow yeah it's a good thing I teach sign oh language God. yeah <laughs> it's like yeah actually that's a good thing you decided to pick that up <laughs> yeah. yeah wow and then you mentioned earlier too that you have an autoimmune disorder. Do you yes. do anything for that or have you ever had any treatments for that? No. I haven't had any treatments for it besides the Plaquenil, the medication okay. for it. I have tried physical therapy but it doesn't do anything. So with fibromyalgia, I think you know about it, about fibromyalgia. Yeah. You basically your nerves say, "Hey, you're constantly in mm-hmm. pain." And I just deal with it. Like I don't take pain medications. I don't take Tylenol or Advil. I can't take Advil anyways because of my kidneys. Me too. But yeah, so I just don't take anything. You just and you, you just got it. used to that level of that's just your normal pain. Yeah, wow. which also has given me a higher oh, pain yeah. tolerance. So, for example, when I get my tattoos, they don't really hurt. It's because it just, it feels like scraping instead of like actual pain because, but it doesn't help that because of my autoimmune disease and because of my fibro, like wherever I get tattooed swells really bad, but yeah, it's, it it was kind of funny. My last tattoo, my arm like inflated greatly. And I was like, he, my tattoo artist was like, we have to stop. And I was like, why? Because I wasn't in pain, but my arm was swollen. (laughs) Like, I don't want to mess it up because your skin, like. Yeah, stretching. Uh, Wow. But I wasn't in pain because I was my fibro. I'm so used to it. And the only thing that I say that I really try to do is exercise, um, at least for my arthritis. And that way my joints don't get stiff. Mm. I try to work out. Keyword is try. Doesn't mean it always happens. (laughs) I understand. It's always on my schedule. doesn't mean it always happens. 
or it happens frequently. I'm supposed to work out twice a week. The past two weeks, I have maybe worked out zero. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I try my best to take care of myself as much as I can. The most important thing for me is making sure that I'm taking my medicine. And naps? Because... And well, I kind of take naps. I don't really I mean, take not naps like during school, it, of course, but like the rest of the day, do you take naps? Um, sometimes, depending on how bad um, my sl- sleep spells are, which is when I get excessively tired. Most of the time I push through because I know if I take a nap, I'm going to have a hard time sleeping at night, even though I sometimes do and sometimes don't. But so I push through everything, which I don't know if that's great, but you got to do what you got to do. Oh, yeah. I think to a certain Um, extent, we all just kind of push through stuff, even when we shouldn't. So, yeah. And I listen to my body. So if my body is saying, like, if my knees and my ankles really hurt and I have to go to work, I won't wear, I'll wear flats. I won't wear wedges. Like, I listen to my body. Yeah. So, and if I'm not feeling good, like the great thing about my job is they're completely understanding because I've worked through them with my brain surgery. So they know that if I'm not feeling good and I need the day off, they completely understand. They'll just find a substitute and they're, they work with me and I absolutely love them for that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. They're sweet. I love it. Oh, I love my job better than my job before. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't know what you were doing before, but. Um, um, I was a retail store manager. So I was on my feet. Constantly. Oh yeah, that's great. I don't miss being on my feet all the time. Yeah. Well, I had arthritis in my feet. I had um, reactive arthritis. I got it when I was 18 and um, oh. I just danced through it anyways. I had um if you look up pictures of sausage feet, I had that for like months. It It's not pretty. Yeah. Like sausage digits. They just swell up so much. Yeah. I literally couldn't even wear sandals. I had to wear Ugg boots for months on end because my feet would not fit in any of my shoes. Yeah. Cause they were so yeah. swollen, but I would still go Ouch. to dance classes and I would still go to my jobs where I stood on my feet all day and but you don't do that now, do you? No. <laughs> Taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, because as one thing that I have learned is as you get older, you have to listen to your body. Yeah. We are not 20 anymore. Well, I'm not. But, yeah, I'm not either. I I hit 30 this year, so. Ooh, big three. Yeah. Yeah, see, just wait till you're my age. I'm only two years older than you. (laughs) (laughs) But still, two years. No, Um, but you got to listen to your body. Yeah. If you got to. Oh, yeah. Because when when we were teenagers, like in our 20s, we were dancing nonstop and just we weren't listening to our bodies and now our body's going, Hey, <laughs> remember what you did back then? Screwed me up. <laughs> right. That's how it is. Yeah, it is. Well, is, I think that's 
everything. I think so. I think so. I'm not a hundred percent sure. About about 15 minutes later, I'll email you going, oh, I have have another another one. (laughs) I can always add on like a little Amy forgot. (laughs) Exactly. Blame the blame, blame the brain surgery. That's, that's a, I work with it. I think it's a good excuse. It kind of is. Yeah. People are like, what brain surgery? And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. sorry. I forgot. (laughs) I can use it as excuses to forget things, even though I know I just forget (laughs) it. (laughs) Just kidding. Don't do that. (laughs) That's great. Like I had surgeries when I was 11 and things like that. And so when I was recovering, like my brother would use, I have to stay home with my sick sister as an excuse to not go to parties that he didn't want to go to. Wow. Wow, bro. Yeah. He didn't like horror movies and his friends would constantly invite him to go to horror movies with him, like in theaters. And he'd be like, no, my sister's sick again. Uh, Well, okay. (laughs) Did your siblings ever do stuff like that? No, but like they did refer to me as their sick sister when I was in high school, but that's only like what would happen is like we would have like a holiday party because I wouldn't see them very often because they all have kids now. Mm. So they would be like, oh, where's Amy? Oh, she's sick. And I'm like, cool. (laughs) Cool. Thanks. But even though I won't lie. I've used me being sick as an excuse not to go somewhere. Oh, I've definitely done that. I've definitely claimed yeah. that I had a migraine when I did not have a migraine, so I wouldn't have to leave the house. You're not yeah. alone. I, I've done yeah. that too. But most of the time, it's always if someone wants to go like hang out because at, at a bar, because I, I don't do I don't do bars. I don't do clubs. So they'd always be like, oh, come out. And I'd be like, oh, I'm too tired. I need a nap. But you are tired. I am tired. I'm tired all the time. It's it's nonstop. I feel like the only time I have energy is if I drink like three uh, Monsters or Red Bulls, which is unhealthy. Oh so my don't gosh. Do it. I was just about to say, don't those have so much sugar in them? Yeah. I survived when I was in the peak of my uh, figuring out my narcolepsy issue. I was drinking coffee, two monsters and a soda just to keep myself awake, which is completely. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. So, and my stomach didn't like that. Of course not. Yeah. But I somehow had to survive. Wow. Was that college? (laughs) Not fall asleep. That was college. And it was also four years ago. So. Wow. Yeah. It was up to four years ago was when I was still doing that because we couldn't figure out what was wrong. I mean, at a certain point, yeah, you have to be able to work and live. Yeah. And that's the one thing with like chronic illnesses and stuff like that. It's really hard to do, but if you can do it, I recommend doing it. 
yeah, like 100%. finding that balance is, yeah, definitely hard, like you said. Yeah, it's, but when you find it and you find a place that will work with you, it's amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's why I'm so thankful for the place I work now. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. It was lovely. I appreciate lovely it. chatting with you again. Yes, it's been so long. Way too long. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Body Talk with Bex. I hope you enjoyed this. If you did, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, make sure to go on to patreon.com and follow. Uh, there's a few extra little perks on there and I'm still working on creating a few more. You're interested in sharing your story or know someone who does, please feel free to reach out to me either on my website, www.bodytalkwithbex.com, or you can find me on social media. Thanks for listening.